You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Bloomberg Westminster, on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and wherever you get your podcasts. It is the big economy day for both the major parties here in the UK. Tories and Labour rolling out their spending pledges and it's opening the taps to spending on both sides. It is. So the Chancellor, Sajid Javid, uh, setting out new fiscal rules. He says that the Conservative government is going to follow to reflect a cheaper environment for borrowing. These three rules are a balanced current budget, Borrowing for investment that doesn't get over 3% of GDP and that ceiling they can re-evaluate if the cost of servicing debt rises. So trying to espouse this reputation for fiscal prudence, I suppose, within the Conservative Party. Yeah, although it does mean borrowing an extra £20 billion a year to invest in infrastructure and overhauling uh, those fiscal rules after, of course, a decade of austerity. Meanwhile, we did have the Labour economy spokesman John McDonnell announcing his party's own spending pledge, which would uh, be uh, national transformation or the National Transformation Fund, £250 billion over a decade for infrastructure and also social uh, transformation uh, worth £150 billion over five years for state education, healthcare and social housing. Yeah, but that's been overshadowed in a sense, hasn't it? Because Mm. we had that bombshell overnight. Tom Watson quitting as Labour's deputy leader. He says it was a very difficult decision, not a political one. He sent that letter to Jeremy Corbyn. We've had one back, an interesting little interchange between the two. He's going to carry on campaigning Painting, but he's not going to stand as an MP in the upcoming election. Uh, we heard from Rebecca Long-Bailey earlier on saying this doesn't change Brexit policy. So let's get right into this. Joining us now is Bloomberg's Brexit editor, Edward Evans. Edward, thank you for joining us. I get the impression here, and help me out, that there's more to this than meets the eye. It was all very cordial. Yes, too cordial, and I wouldn't believe it for a moment. I mean, you've got to understand that Watson was really the focal point for the internal party opposition to Corbyn. Um, He's a very significant figure within the Labour Party. He's a lifer within it. He joined as a student. He's gone on through it. He's a well-known plotter within the party. Of course, the Curry House plot under Tony Blair. Uh, He backed Ed Miliband's election to leader. Um, This is somebody with his fingers on the party machinery. And what what you see now by with him leaving Mm. is really the last sort of bastion of opposition to Corbyn within the party uh, being neutered because now Corbyn has control of the membership. He has control of uh, the NEC. Don't forget that the NEC, the latter, will get to select uh, Tom Watson's successor in his constituency. And if Corbyn wins at the election, this is a it will be a victory that he himself would own. Okay, but hang on. Let's play the chess game then here. Politics, as you say, far too cordial um, to be taken at face value. Is this on the one hand a win for 
momentum that backs obviously Jeremy Corbyn and that side of the Labour Party? Or is there some other something that we're missing here in the departure of, of Mr. Watson? I mean, he had a lot of party internal party support against in yeah. some ways against Corbyn. He had some party support, but he had his detractors, too. He was a divisive figure. You know, as I said, a plotter. Uh, he had, of course, um, got into some trouble um, with um, various things in recent years. He'd fallen out with the party leadership, he'd fallen out with the unions. He'd obviously had uh, been involved heavily uh, in promoting Carl Beach's allegations uh, and has had suffered from the blowback from that. Uh, when they uh, and So he had been essentially drifting away from the party over a period of years. He's also, I think it's fair to say, a very volatile character. This is somebody uh, who was happy to walk away before and you see it again now. So what happens now procedurally? When do we have that new election for a deputy? Do we get an interim in the meantime? And um, who could we see as possible names? Well, that's a really interesting question mm-hmm. because what you're then going to see is the, the, the succession to Corbyn, eventual succession to Corbyn lining up. So it's a really important post. You've obviously seen Rebecca Long-Bailey coming out today. You know, the, the momentum wing might prefer... Uh, somebody like Laura Pidcock. So you've got you know, likely candidates lining up there, I think. OK, Edward, stay with us. That's Edward Evans, our Brexit editor, because there's another big story to talk about. It's the Liberal Democrats entering in this pact with Plaid Cymru and the Greens not to run candidates in each other against each other in 60 areas. We finally got a number during the election. This is the Unite to Remain group that's brokered this. Jo Swinson herself pretty pleased with it. It's something that's been rumbling for a while and we finally got those details. So I'm pleased to say we are joined by Jane Dodds, who is a Liberal Democrat candidate for Parliament. Uh, Jane, what concerns me here is that I'm hearing a lot of high numbers talked about. Uh, you, you've Your party leader said that she's aiming for 100 seats. Sir John Curtis, the polling expert, says that you could only get a few. He says a six at most from this. Are we really uh, being quite overambitious here? Um, no, we're not. You know, I wouldn't put a number on it. But what I'm very clear about is that this Unite to Remain Alliance is about two things. It just puts one Remain candidate on the ballot paper. And I'm from Brecon and Ranisher. I was elected as an MP on the basis that those two parties, Plaid Cymru and the Greens, actually stood down. And I was the Remain candidate. So it does show that it works. But the second reason is it's about adult, grown-up politics. Because the public just want to see us working together on key issues. And that's what they saw in Brecon and Ranisher. It did work. And that's uh, what they're seeing now with these mm. Remain uh, Alliance arrangements as well. On your first point, is there a risk here that it could actually backfire by letting the Tories in by splitting the Remain vote? Um, I'm not sure it does. You know, Labour Party are not a Remain party. The Conservatives are not a Remain party. Uh, you know, nationally, the Liberal Democrats are the only pro-Remain party. But but, but in, let's take another seat in Wales Europe, like Vale of Gl- but let's if, if I may, let's take another seat in Wales, Vale of Glamorgan, where it's a it's a very much a close race between Labour and the Conservatives, with the Liberals I think previously in a distant third in that seat. You know, how is a how is a Remain alliance going to help there if all it does is take votes from Labour? Well, we're, we're, we're say, not saying this is going to happen in every single seat. Uh, we're, That's one of the seats on your list. That we're very clear that if you want to vote for a Remain party, uh, there may be a seat in your constituency where arrangement has been done. It hasn't, you know it hasn't been done in every single constituency because uh, there are 650 of them. Sure. I know, I'm picking one of the ones that you've selected. That are very clear that if you want to vote, if, if you want to vote for a Remain party, 
That's who you vote for. In other, in other seats, you vote Liberal Democrat where we're standing because we're the Remain party. Jane, I'd also like to ask you about the idea, again, of your leader, Joe Swinson, another bold pledge that the Liberal Democrats would not form an alliance with Labour uh, were you, you know, to perhaps be able to combine to join, uh, to create um, a, a new government. How can that be tenable? I mean, were you in a situation, uh, you know, to join forces? Liberal Democrats would surely have to. Um, I don't think we would. <laughs> uh, you know, you're assuming straight away that, uh, that the, the two parties are going to get the split of the most seats. Uh, potentially, we could hold the balance of power here. Uh, and our aim is to stop Brexit as quickly as we can. Uh, and to do that... We'll so would that mean... But surely that wouldn't mean doing an... In the Conservatives and the Labour Party, we'll have to do that. We'll have to work with those in order to get them to support a vote for a people's vote. Uh, but we're very clear. We're not going in with Jeremy Corbyn. We're not going in with Boris Johnson. Um, they are not suitable people, in our view, to be Prime Minister's. So then how can you hold the balance of power in that sense? If you if you are, are ruling out any kind of coalition government, how would that operate? On Brexit, we'll be talking with all of those MPs that we know that are in the Labour Party to support us in key votes. We'll be talking to the Conservatives, who we know support us on key votes. Uh, and our initial aim is to get a people's vote. And that's what we'll be doing. But we won't be entering any coalitions, any pacts, any arrangements with either Jeremy Corbyn or with Boris Johnson. But Jane, I'm sure you'd agree that the Lib Dems are more than a single issue party. There are many who joined the party before Brexit and believe in a variety of liberal values. What are they going to do in places like Brighton, for example, where they're going to be forced to vote for a Green that could be completely anathema to their political views? I don't think it is. Uh, But they're very different parties. You've picked a party, in fact, that I think we have so much in common with. Uh, you know, Caroline Lucas sits with us on the benches, or did sit with us on the benches. So much we agreed on. We agreed on the green agenda. We agreed on uh, remaining in Europe. Uh, so, you know, we would be saying um, that voting green actually supports the Remain Alliance, but supports some of those other key issues like the climate emergency But what about revoke? Well. You disagree on that, even? Uh, we disagree on... Some issues, of course we do. Um, And the Liberal Democrats are very clear that we will revoke Article 50. Uh, I do kind of want to use a different phrase because revoke Article 50 is a bit of a political phrase. We will stop Brexit. Uh, And we're the only party that are saying that loud and clear. Uh, If you want to stop Brexit, you vote Liberal Democrat in this general election. And your partner, Caroline Lucas, has called that arrogance. I uh, can understand that uh, Caroline might feel that way, but we're very clear uh, that on this issue, and we've been working with the Green Party and Plaid Cymru, as you say, uh, and we've come up with these Remain candidates. Um, we don't see it as arrogant. We're saying if this is a people vote in this uh, 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 on this occasion for a generation, if mm-hmm. you want to stop Brexit, you vote Liberal Democrat. OK, so how confident are you then on the pledge that the Liberal Democrats can win 100 seats? I'm not going to name numbers. Jo may have done that. She's a leader. That's hers. I'm concentrating on my own seat in Brecon Radnorshire. I'm going to be uh, talking to as many people as possible. Uh, you know, Brecon Radnorshire uh, has had two elections in four months. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to be talking to people about local issues as well as some of the big issues like the climate emergency and staying in Europe. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to be doing. And I, I think every single local candidate will be doing that as well. 
All right. Thank you very much, Jane Dodds, a Liberal Democrat candidate on that potential or now confirmed at Remain Alliance. This yeah. really is something relatively new in politics that's not been too keen on compromise lately. Uh, I think it's fascinating because, of course, this weekend we've got the Spanish general election. And I've been talking a lot today about how the traditional two-party split in Spain has gone out of the window for the last four to five years. And now it really looks like that has come to the UK as well, potentially. Let's see. I, I think <laughs> Ed, more cautious. You, you've got to be, you, there are two sides to this. There's a Remain alliance. There's also a Leave alliance yeah. as well. And the split between how the Brexit party and the Tory vote breaks up will be absolutely crucial. Of course, if there hadn't been a split and all the Brexit party votes had gone to um, Jane Dodds's Tory yeah. opponent in the by-election, she wouldn't have been in Parliament. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's have a look through these papers because we've got a variety of stories for you. What have you got, Caroline? Yeah, well, first up, I want to flag up uh, Alex Morales here at Bloomberg, along with uh, Greg Ritchie. They're actually up in Scotland and uh, they've got a great piece out on the Bloomberg terminal this morning. Boris Johnson's Conservatives fighting for survival uh, in Scotland. Uh, The party, of course, made gains under Theresa May, but now uh, her successor really risking losing all of them. So a fascinating piece. They've been going around with the local M. MP who's been, uh, cam- sorry, the local candidate who has been uh, campaigning or one of the local candidates who has been campaigning. So a really great uh, write-up. What really interests me about Scotland is mm. that 38% voted leave. Yeah. That is not insignificant. But Boris Johnson is not a popular man up no. there. So if you're Scottish and you back Brexit, where do you vote? Do you hold your, vote, uh, hold your nose and go Conservative? Or do you look elsewhere? And the options aren't really that available. No, exactly. Virtually every seat in Scotland is marginal. That is uh, the crucial line really out of uh, the whole piece. So everything is, you know, up for grabs in this very yeah. fluid election. And Kirsty Blackman of the SNP has told us that they're looking to get all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we're seeing a lot of optimistic uh, pledges, aren't we? And, and remember, there's no Remain Alliance north of the border. Of yeah, course. absolutely. Uh, and uh, also this morning, uh, I was reading the Guardian uh, article, quite fascinating, uh, from uh, Martin Kettle, who's saying that it's not just about Britain, it's also about Europe too, that the tremors of this Brexit election are going to be felt across the continent, uh, basically their powers on the wane. I mean, that's one perspective, I suppose. Yeah, and I'm looking at this great FT analysis. Can Boris Johnson break Labour's red wall is the question that it poses. Um, this is around this big stretch of land from the north and midlands of England. Brexit supports of the country, uh, supporting parts of the country that have historically supported the Labour Party as well. The strategy there for the Conservatives is very much get Brexit done, have that as the message, and then invest in public services. So it's these two strands we're seeing that are intended to appeal to this part. But the issues are, this is historical aversion to the Tories. They still Mm -hmm. remember Thatcher. And then you've got to make up for losses elsewhere. Potentially the Tories spreading themselves a bit thin. Scotland, as we just talked about, other cities, London, uh, where they would otherwise be fighting the Lib Dems. These are two very different battles. And some would say that you can't have both. Yeah, indeed. And look, uh, the spending floodgates have been opened, but obviously we're a decade uh, into austerity. And, you know, the the research uh, most recently around the spending pledges is that basically both Labour and Tory are pledging to increase spending. It's just that Labour are 
sort of saying that they will have to be tax increases and Tories still committed to tax cuts. So how do you square that circle? And obviously on at Bloomberg, we're most interested to analyse the manifestos and figure out where the money's going to come from. Absolutely. Well, let's get some answers around this red wall and elsewhere, shall we? Joining us now is Geoffrey Evans, who is a politics professor at Oxford University. He's done a lot of research around this area. Geoffrey, let's start with the Brexit party. Who is it more likely to hurt? Is it the Labour Party or the Conservatives? Um, the Conservatives, basically. Most of the supporters of the Brexit Party are the same people who supported UKIP. And most of the people who supported UKIP came from the Conservatives prior to being uh, UKIP voters. And so is there going to be, or, or do you think that there could be a significant impact on Labour? Because this is something that Nigel Farage himself has been talking about quite a lot. He says we're all forgetting about the threat that we pose to Labour. Yeah, but they always pose more of a threat to the Conservatives. Um, so, I mean... There have been debates over the years, but basically most of the most Labour voters nowadays, 70% at least, are Remain voters. So those people who were Leave voters have to some degree defected already. Um, and so you're, you're fishing in a smaller pool. And so I know Farage says that, but in terms of the risks, it's more of a... You will steal from the Conservatives and give seats potentially to the Dems, say, mm. um, rather than stealing them from the Labour Party, I would mm. say. Okay, so that's on on the Brexit front. What do you make then of uh, you know what we were speaking about just earlier with Jane Dodds, uh, a political candidate for the Liberal Democrats, and this idea of um, of joining forces, the Greens, Plaid Cymru, uh, in order to fight certain seats? Is that going to be an effective strategy in your view? Um, well, I mean, the Greens are pretty small. Yeah. Um, to be honest, so I mean, although it's nice to have them doing a deal, there aren't many places where they're going to be important for the Liberal Democrats. Um, maybe the Lib Dems could help them in, in, in Bristol, and um, you know, Labour already helped the Greens in, in Brighton. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it won't do any harm. But it's not unless you can get Labour and the Lib Dems working together in some sort of. Um, which, tactical voting, which is what happened in the mid-90s. It um, is, but it seems to be yeah. something that Joe Swinson has ruled out. And that was sort of my question, um, you know, to, to Jane Dawes, of how can you rule that out? Were, you know, were voting to shake out in that way? How can the Lib Dems rule out an alliance with Labour? It would seem very difficult. Well, I, I mean, I think what the Lib Dems are trying to do is break through. Um, so the one thing you want to do when you're trying to break through from the, the trap of being a small party in a majoritarian system mm. is to make out like voting for you makes sense. Um, it's always been a problem for the Lib Dems, and obviously since their collapse following the coalition with Cameron, um, they're back to sort of square one again, trying mm. to raise up their um, their seats and their support. So you don't want to, as it were, make it clear that you're in a sense already conceding that you need to... Um, do a deal with somebody else to get a reasonable amount of seats. So I think there's that, there's that sort of attempt to brand the, the Lib Dems as a serious candidate for, mm. uh, for political office, which Swinson's been trying to do. And of course, you know, I'm genuinely, back in the 90s, Blair and um, whoever was running the Lib Dems then, I've forgotten, was it Paddy Ashton? They, those parties were quite similar yeah. in terms of their ideological position. So it yeah. wasn't a big problem. It was a big problem for the Lib Dems when they joined with the Conservatives in 2010 because there was a big gap there. Yeah. Now, however, there's a big gap from the Lib Dems to um, Jeremy Corbyn's version of Labour, which is more clearly and explicitly left-wing. Yeah. And so that's, that's a harder, that's a 
it's a harder imagine. bridge uh, to gap, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a gap to bridge rather. I understand. Bloomberg's <laughs> Brexit editor Ed Evans is still in the studio with us, and he's got some interesting thoughts too. Just, just a question on this Remain lines. As you point out, it hasn't got Labour in it. Is there then a risk that it could split the Remain vote and actually backfire in a way? Um, the Remain vote's likely to be split anyway. I mean, that's the problem. Back in 17, Theresa May ran a very poor campaign, it must be said, um, and um, that handicapped them. But back in 17, the Lib Dems were weak and they didn't steal away too many um, uh, Labour votes. So, with, unless you can get some sort of alliance with Labour and the Lib Dems, then inevitably there's going to be a problem. It's going to be a bit of a rerun of the 1980s. Um, Boris might get lucky and become the new Thatcher in that respect. Um, the Lib Dems are more often likely to be competing with soft Conservatives and stealing them away, given that the Conservatives have gone down a fairly, fairly populous line and are uh, obviously targeting Leave voters. Um, the Remain voting Tories in sort of middle-class seats where Lib Dems have got a fair presence might be tempted to defect. Mm. Um, I think that's less of a problem for them. I, mean, I think they're gaining more Brexit Party voters than they are losing um, remain Tories, but I'm saying that is a risk for them. Do you think that people have forgotten about austerity and particularly the Lib Dems uh, part in that? Because we've got this whole Brexit thing, the Lib Dems have taken such a strong stance on that, but after all, they were partly responsible for the need now to invest in public services that the Conservatives are going on about, and you've got the Lib Dems contesting seats uh, strongly in uh, places like London, which is a big Labour stronghold. Yeah, well, I think... Clearly, for quite a few years, that stigma did did hold. To some degree, you've seen a rebranding of the Lib Dems, though. A, because of personnel changes. But Jess Winston's still there, and she was involved in all that. Yeah. Um, she stands by I don't it. Think people, I don't think in popular popular thought, Joe Swinson was a very high-profile figure. Mm. Um, it's Nick Clegg, um, primarily. Um, maybe Vince Cable. Primarily Nick Clegg was associated in the public mind with that problem. Um so I don't think she's quite. I mean, the problem is they've also rebranded themselves as a as a as a revoke Brexit party. So they're really running on a very different sort of agenda, and they're making it more about Brexit, um, which is obviously what Boris is doing too. And the Labour Party trying to make it more about well, you know, inequality and austerity, which is what they did in 2017 with some success. Jeff, I was going to ask you one question away from that. Just returning to uh, the Conservatives, I mean, the assumption in all of this discussion is that um, the Conservatives are not going to do particularly well. I mean, I always like to, and uh, perhaps it's, it's kind of the economics thrust of a lot of our programming, but we always look, like to think about outliers. What is the chance actually of potentially even a landslide by the Tories, let's say? I mean, obviously, the Boris Johnson, the first couple of days of campaigning wasn't seen as having gone particularly well but just that outlier possibility of there being a landslide is that just not something that that um political scientists are considering um well i can't speak for all political scientists mm. um certainly not something i'm considering um obviously as, as i haven't been listening to all the program but you've probably discussed the fact that they're going to lose seats to the snp in scotland um they, they're going to struggle in some areas where the Lib Dems are researching with their Remain voting Tories. Um, they will struggle, I think, to take some of the old Labour seats in the North, despite the the, um, the Leave um, pr- um, proportions in those seats, simply because a lot of Leave voters in the North have already left Labour. And so you've all, you're actually fishing in a diminishing pool. Um, even though the constituency figures are there, you have to look at the actual individual voters 
and you, you don't want to make too much of a point of fact that a leave, a leave constituency say is, I don't know, 60-40 leave, when actually Labour can win it with far less than 40, and, and will do. Um, so I, I think I, I'm one of these um, hung parliament political scientists. You know, I can see us <laughs> doing this all again in, in the spring, to be honest. Oh, wow. you're not the only one. I love this idea. Always <laughs> up for a good election. Thank you so much, Geoffrey Evans, <laughs> Professor of Politics okay. at Oxford University. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.